senorita Really nice to meet ya Have some tequila and stay this week on Squats and Margaritas, it's the balanced nutritionist, registered dietitian, Jamie Nadu. I need her here because for so long, my life was anything but balanced, and I struggled with disordered eating, bulimia, anorexia. She is teaching women to build healthy, consistent habits, and I wondered, had she struggled, and is that what led her to be a registered dietitian? Here's my episode with Jamie Nadu. I've been a dietitian for about seven years now, but for sure, I definitely, I struggled with the same things that lots of my clients struggle with now when I was younger. And I, so there's so many things that influenced it. I, I mean, I was heavily influenced by diet culture at a really young age from having family members constantly on a diet. And I remember being on a quote unquote diet when I was very young, didn't need to be on any kind of a diet. And I think that's what happens for so many of us is it kind of spirals you into diet culture. And then before you know it, maybe you are struggling with your weight because you're, you don't understand food anymore, or it just feels like you're doing all of these things wrong because of diet culture. So I, so I definitely struggled for a really long time, just not understanding food, not understanding my own sorts of needs and preferences when it came to nutrition. So that's why that's part of the reason why that I decided to go to school to become a registered dietitian and I would say now I'm in a super great place and I feel very much in balance and very much like I have a great, great relationship with food. And I'm so thankful for that. But even in my, you know, even as a new dietitian, I think I was still figuring it out, especially with so much more knowledge, you know? Yeah. And just bringing that message of balance to women who have been predisposed to diet culture, since they were uh, obviously like teenagers, I have a six-year-old, like she's about to be six. And I'm so, I just see like magazines and stuff. And I was like, if she struggles like I did when there wasn't even social media, like, can you imagine Mm -hmm. now what she'll have to try to like live up to? And I'm the firstborn, I'm a perfectionist. And so is she. And I, I worry about saying things that could trigger her. My mom was always on diets uh, growing up and like skinny was ideal and you always, you had to be dieting and there were bad foods, but I don't blame my mom for my disorders and full disclosure. I struggled with anorexia and bulimia, but I had three other sisters in the, the same house with the same mom on diets and nobody else struggled. So mm-hmm. I think if you're predisposed to it and then you have an environment of diet culture and dieting is good and skinny is good and bread is bad, then it can really affect you if you're predisposed to it. What's funny about my story is I now live my life with balance squats and margaritas. The whole thing is enjoy your life, go hard in the gym, enjoy a cocktail. We're going to get into cocktails because I have to ask you about that, but living my life this way in balance and working out less, I weigh 20 pounds less than when I worked out seven days a week only ate salads, didn't, uh, snack because I would like save my calories. And it it was all about calories in versus calories out. So when I have a professional like you, because I'm not a professional (laughs) come on and can talk about the benefit of eating, listening to your hunger cues, not starving yourself. It is just so powerful. I want to help the woman that was me 10 years ago, 20 years ago, working out every day, restricting her calories. Why does that not work? 
yeah, that's, that's such a great example because it's, it's so true. And I'm super thankful that I've never struggled with an eating disorder, but I think what you're explaining, I can relate to that so much because when I really was heavily kind of dieting and trying to be restrictive and trying to be so, so healthy, I weighed more than I do now. Yes. So I always like to say to women too, who are really stuck at diet cycle, um, think about where you were in terms of your health and your body when you first started dieting, because for so many women, they weigh more now than 15 years ago when they first started heavily dieting. And that kind of tells you everything that you need to know about dieting. But the reason that restriction really doesn't work is because you're you, you, we can't fight what our body needs in terms of nutrition. You just can't, you can try super hard, but eventually it catches up with you. And with restriction, especially it's, I like to describe it as those moments that you have to eat something you like, there's no, no one could talk you out of it. You can try to, you know, it's like sitting in on your couch and trying to talk yourself out of a snack or whatever. There's nothing you can do at that point. If you've restricted, your body is going to be screaming at you. And that's where those cycles of restricting and then overeating to the point of being sick or, you know, feeling like you have no control around food and there's nothing that, you know, you can't stay away from the cookies or whatever it is. Um, so there's lots of reasons why restriction doesn't work, but I think that that's, that's the biggest one is it fuels something in your body. That's like, you need to go make up for that. Yeah. And then at that point, you're so hungry that you're going to eat whatever's quick and convenient. And usually that's something processed, high sugar, like you're starving. Mm -hmm. And then when I was mm -hmm. starving, my body shut off. Like it was like, you are starving. You don't eat or you throw up your food. Your my body didn't trust me. And it it's trying to keep you alive. Like it's not going to mm -hmm. burn extra calories because you're not putting enough in, especially for as much as I was working out. And I thought I was doing the right thing. And I was explaining it to a trainer, like all defensive, like I work out every day. I'm on the treadmill. I barely eat. And he was like, well, yeah, like that's why you're not losing weight. And I was like, what? I mean, for someone that was bulimic and like anorexic telling me to eat more, to lose weight was just not something that I could even, that it didn't make any sense to me. But at that point, and it's again, scary, I, it is scary. Yeah. Cause you, yeah, you don't trust yourself. And honestly, I still say this to today. Like I didn't, I never got treatment. I stopped doing the behaviors of eating disorders 14 years ago, but I still have the mental stuff and it scares me. Now I just eat intuitively and I eat until I'm satisfied. And I think it's because part of me doesn't want to feel that fullness again. And it's a spark like that. I need to get it out and like purge. So I would never, I mean, I used to eat to the point, like binge to the point of throwing up. So I never do that anymore. And I'm sure that I need mental like counseling with my eating disorder as well as just physically stopping the action. But yeah, it's, it is scary to trust that if you eat, you may even lose weight. You're, you're not going to gain and you may even lose because your body's like, Oh, great. She's eating again. We can let go of some of this stuff that we're holding on to try to keep her alive. And the other part of it is when you're restricting and you are stressing so much about calories and like time, I would always be like, I'm hungry, but it's not, a, it's not a meal time. So I'm going to save my calories until lunch. And then I'm eating so much at lunch because I didn't have a snack and I'm stressed out and frustrated about it, which creates the cortisol effect, which is a stress hormone that makes you hold on to fat. So living in that restrictive 
obsessive lifestyle where you think you're doing everything right. You're actually working against yourself because you're in such a state of stress that your body produces cortisol and holds on to it. So it's like to learn that if you just listen to your body and I've just learned actually about what actual intuitive eating was. I, I guess I say intuitive eating, but I would say I'm just mindful. Like I listen to my mm-hmm. hunger cues, but intuitive eating was like a practice put into place for people that had eating disorders to teach them to eat again. And it's about like why yeah. you're eating. Yeah. I'm actually, I actually am not an intuitive eating dietitian. I think my, my values around food and nutrition are very, I would say they're very much aligned, um, with most of the principles of intuitive eating, but I take, I think I take just a little bit more of a, I don't know, a more flexible approach and more depending on what, you know, my clients want and what they're looking for, because there are some sorts of, for example, I do work with women who feel, who might feel like they're not at a weight that feels the best for them. So Mm -hmm. we talk about, you know, a kind of a full life approach to, to managing that. So, but yes, I think for, for anyone who struggles with disordered eating, who is super triggered by numbers, um, you know, counting calories, macros, any of those things, which I don't particularly use either, (laughs) but principles of intuitive eating are just wonderful for that for sure. And definitely has changed a lot of lives. So just explain your premise of just balance. Uh, Is it just eating most of the time healthy? The way that I like to think about balance is I I definitely have kind of um, guidelines that I teach my clients just for sort of good, good nutrition practices that I think most of the time make most people feel good. Um, I think the premise of balance comes from just understanding that you're not going to be perfect. And just like anything else in your life, the balance piece is important because, you know, we can talk about how there's no good foods and bad foods. And I do agree with that, but there are different foods and different foods make you feel differently and different foods affect your health differently and your energy differently. And, you know, just how you feel in general. So I think it is important to understand the balance of, um, just food and nutrients and how to put together a meal that's balanced nutritionally so that you can feel good and satisfied and not be, you know, in your cabinet a half hour later or something like that. So there's lots of pieces to it. I think the biggest thing with balance too, is that it looks totally different for everyone. Everyone has a different kind of level of balance in their life. And not only that, but it's probably going to change a little bit depending on what sort of season of life you're in. So that's what I think it's all about. There's always like, you know, good nutrition practices that you can start working on. And I'm a big believer of working on healthy, consistent habits because who doesn't want to be healthier? You know, that's what we all want. Um, but yeah, balance really, it's, it can look so different. And I think that's the biggest piece is being flexible, making sense for life, that kind of thing. Yeah. How I typically do balance. And it's funny that you said it has to be like a, it has become such a habit for me that I don't even realize I'm doing it. And then I'll just like put something on Instagram to be like, this is where I've gotten now. I make like swaps. Like for, I have a Chick-fil-A swap. When I go to Chick-fil-A, I'll get fries because I need fries. I'll get a grilled chicken sandwich. I don't need the bun. I can go without the bun, but I want some fries. So I get a grilled chicken sandwich. I don't eat the bun because I don't need it. And I have a handful of fries. I don't feel deprived because I got the fries and I stick with this because I got the fries. Whereas if I'd be like, no, I'm not eating fries. 
you're, you just feel you, you, deprivation can only last for that long. And then at some point it's like, I ha- my husband has some fries and I have a fry or something. And before I would be like, Oh, I blew it. I had a fry. So I might as well eat all the fries and start over on Monday. Mm-hmm. And it was like giving yourself permission to binge because you messed up your perfect eating. But if you live in balance, eat something you want, then don't eat it at every meal. Like if I have something sweet in the morning with my coffee, I'm not going to have something sweet after lunch. And then it's like, if I grab a drink with girlfriends at happy hour, I'm not going to have a drink with dinner. It's just little swaps during the day is how I do it. That kind of balance out. I don't want to say the good and the bad because there's not good and bad food. It's just something like the more healthy choices versus what I really want that may not be the best thing, but I never like cut something out completely because if I can have a margarita or I can have a handful of fries, I'm going to continue to eat mostly healthy. Cause I got those little things. And if I didn't, I would binge because at some point I'm going to have it and I would quit, but it, balance is a lifestyle. It's not a quit. It's just making swaps and like healthy choices, like throughout your day is how I see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think that's the thing when it comes to making any type of swap, how I like to describe swaps because they do exist and they (laughs) happen. Um, because sometimes I feel like some, sometimes I think people get a little bit weird about swaps. Like, Ooh, if you, if you don't get the bun, that's diet culture. And I don't think that's always necessarily the case. Like if you feel like if you're going to have it, because I'm a big fan of balanced meals. And so we talk about carbohydrates and what's kind of the right amount of carbohydrates for you. So that's a good example. Like I'm, I would say I'm kind of similar. Sometimes I'll get the bun and I'll do the fries, but I know that I don't feel as good physically if I have, you know, a whole plate of carbs. So that, so as long as it's number one, what you want, and you're not doing it from a place of restriction, and you know that you're not going to feel any level of deprivation from it, that's what matters the most truly. And so when it comes to swaps, I like to think of them like, if you're going to make a swap, you have to pay attention to how do you feel afterwards? If you, if you don't care and it doesn't matter, then go for it. But if you, and it takes experimenting too, which I think that's the scary part too, is I'm, I'm a huge fan of experimenting. And I, I know like some, my clients don't love it because (laughs) you have to (laughs) troubleshoot and people want to, people want to know like, no, what do I need to do? I want the, I want the rules, but it really does come down to experimenting. So if you were going to not have the bun one day and it ended up backfiring, then, you know, okay, that's not something that works for me. And then you move on and you continue to learn what does work for you. I think you just hit it on the head. Yes. Sometimes I do eat both, but then you feel like if I feel a little too full or it sits like heavy because of all those carbs, then I don't feel good after. But so I, I can go without the, but I don't even need the, but that's not something that I really want to have. So, so that I don't feel that way afterwards, I'll just have fries because that's what I want to have. Like I make those, I don't even think about it anymore. Like I just, that's just how I, it's become a lifestyle. And when before I, and I think another component to it, I started lifting really heavy, which turns on your metabolism. I am hungry, Jamie, all day long. And I was so used to not feeling like really listening to that hunger, like thinking it's good to be hungry and be starving mm. or just like when my body had shut off, I was, it was just like, not my metabolism wasn't running. I wasn't feeling hungry. And before, if I had eaten breakfast and then like an hour later, which is what happens now I'm hungry again there's no way in hell that I would be, I would eat because I'd be like, no, I just ate breakfast. I'm going to wait it out. But now if I eat breakfast and then I'm hungry, I eat another breakfast And the fact that I'm even like, I could not even fathom that. And again, 20 pounds less 
because I listen to my body and I eat when I'm hungry. Like I just listen to my cues, but the other part of eating when you're hungry is also listening to the cue of when you're satisfied. So I don't eat a ton at every sitting, but I am eating all day long, probably the same amount of food that I was eating before. I just don't eat it in three big meals. And like you said, so I don't feel it's not just sitting in my stomach and I feel like heavy afterwards and I don't feel good. I kind of spread it out. So I'm always eating, never feeling deprived or hungry, never feeling too full. And it's just what I was calling intuitive eating, which apparently is not intuitive eating. It's just being mindful because intuitive eating is like you sit down and you say, am I hungry? Am I bored? (laughs) Am I tired? Like you question why you're eating. I don't do that, but I am totally in tune with my hunger cues now. And I don't let myself get too hungry. So you don't binge. And it's, it sounds so simple. Like just listen to the cues, but I struggled for 20 years from 16 to 36 with just all this noise and like, no bad foods. And it's just, I don't know. Like it's so it's easier now. Like my life is easier. I eat what I want. I don't work out as hard and I'm in like the best physical shape. So like, that's my message now, like a life of balance working out, but not seven days a week, not stressing so much about things. Like I would go on vacation, be like, is there a gym? Um, I got to get up and and get a run in and just living in that constant state of stress. Now I just listen to my body and it's kind of found where it needs to be. And I do eat what I want and it stays where I'm at because I feel like there's something to be said about being like in tune with your body and it trusting you again. It just kind of does what it's supposed to do is what I found. Yeah. When you stop fighting your body, it's really, it's really amazing what happens. And, um, like I know that you are saying that you weigh 20 pounds less than you did when you were struggling. And that, that just sounds to me like we all have a weight that our body is kind of its healthiest at. And that's all that means for somebody that might not be a big, a huge, you know, astronomical difference. But I think that's, it's so true. And to say like, Oh, you just need to listen to your body. It definitely is harder. Yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I know. For sure. Because, because, but I think it all comes down to when you're not fighting yourself, it's just wild how different it feels. Like I remember personally also being not feeling like I could have chips in the house or not feeling like I could mm-hmm. have certain foods in the house because that's all I would eat if it was in there. And now, um, I all have like a, billion. I love snacks. So I have a billion different types of snacks. And sometimes, sometimes I go in there and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I opened these and now they're bad. And I have to throw them out because I didn't even eat them or something like that. So, and it, when you're in that kind of dieting mindset, that feels like no way I could never do that. (laughs) But you know what it is? And this is how I feel about drinking, which we can go to like having wine or margaritas. Like I will have a glass of wine, at least a glass of wine every day, because I, again, I don't feel deprived because I can have the wine. And then because I have wine every day, it's not as like tempting or like, it's not bad or off limits. Like I, I can't drink wine, like the sugar and the carbs. I can leave wine in the fridge and not have to drink the whole thing because it's something I have every day. Like you said, snacks in the house, there's snacks in the house. They're not as scary or tempting. It's something you have all the time. So you don't need to binge at all. You just don't restrict anything completely because if you let that be a part of your lifestyle every day, you don't feel deprived. You won't quit. And it's not as tempting, but as a registered dietitian, be honest with me, like how bad is it that I do drink every day (laughs) (laughs) in complete moderation? Like I can stop after a glass or two, 
like a glass with dinner. And then like, sometimes it is just one, but it, because I'm doing it every day, is that like not the healthiest thing to be doing? Um, well, okay. So when it comes to alcohol, when it comes to the actual recommendation for women, it's one drink a day that's considered in moderation. So, I mean, that, that really is considered moderation. I think no one, I don't think anyone would argue that drinking alcohol is healthier than not drinking alcohol. I'll say that. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) But, but that's for sure. I mean, that's in, that's within the realm of moderation for sure. I think the bigger problem with alcohol becomes when it's, when it's in bigger amounts than that. And more often, or like, like I have clients who on the weekend, or I've worked with clients in the past who like on the weekends will it's, it's like, an, it's like Friday through Sunday is yeah. like four drinks a day yeah. or, you know, that, then it becomes a little bit excessive. So when it comes to alcohol too, like, I think something that's so, so big is thinking about your relationship with alcohol, the same way that you would think about your relationship with food. How do you feel about it? When you feel, when you think about alcohol, what are your, what are your feelings around it? Um, do you feel like you could pass on you know, having drinks or whatever, how would that make you feel? Would it make you feel deprived? Yes, it would. Is, well, I think, I think one glass of wine is also very different for sure. One or two. I know. So like, yeah. how does, does it make you feel deprived or sad? Like alcohol is definitely, definitely different from food as well. So and it's, I think it's because of the way it affects your entire body. And I think that one or two glasses is different than someone who's going out and having like five drinks on a Friday. And then you know, then they're Saturday, they're eating terrible because they feel crappy. And then they're going out Saturday and doing the same thing. And then Sunday, they're doing the same thing and not eating in a way that supports them because they feel just, you know, hungover or whatever. (laughs) So, so I think that piece is important too. like thinking about how is it influencing your whole life? And how are you, how do you feel about alcohol? How's your relationship with alcohol? I think those pieces are big because there are some people that I think it's, actually healthy to set boundaries around alcohol if they're feeling like I'm overdoing it way too often, that kind of a thing. I think what I have found is I never overdo it anymore because like I was saying, it's not, it's like, oh, you're drinking. I drink every day. So I don't have four on the weekends. I just have my one, but I do it all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's not, I never feel bad the next day. And it's like, I have learned to just I guess. Yeah. It's learned because that's what I used to do. It was like all week. I'm going to eat clean. I'm not going to drink all week. And then you go on a bender for two days. You're hungover. You're eating like, yeah, crap because of how you feel. But I never overindulge anymore because it's a part of my lifestyle. So I feel like it helps me to not (laughs) drinking helps me. (laughs) I hear myself. (laughs) It helps me to not go overboard because I have an moderation. but I know a lot of people, I talked to another nutritionist. She's like, it's not it's because when somebody, ha- if you say you can have wine, somebody has a glass and that leads to two and leads to three. If you are yes. able to moderate it, then she's like, that's working for you. And it all comes down to what works for you. Are most people going to you, to a dietitian for weight loss? Like most of your clients, is that what they're seeking? I would say that most of my clients have sort of long-term weight loss goals or underlying weight loss goals. And I hate to call them weight loss goals. And we don't talk I personally in my practice, I don't do, you know, your goal is going to be to lose this amount of weight. I do not do that because I don't think that it's effective for a lot of people. Yeah. So, so I acknowledge the fact that the per, that person has a weight loss goal and 
feels like they're, you know, not at a weight that's the healthiest weight for them. But you know, why are people at a weight that that's that's not healthy for them. It really comes down to habits. It comes down to what you're doing day to day. It comes down to your relationship with food. So those are the pieces that I like to work on because I don't care if you are on the most restrictive diet ever, or you eat the healthiest diet ever. If you don't get to the bottom of why you weren't able to have good habits in the first place, it's going to backfire every single time. So I think that working on sustainable, realistic habits for your life. That's always the key. And it can be frustrating because it doesn't give you the same 20 pounds in two weeks weight loss that, you know, keto would, but the difference is that you're going to stop dieting for the rest of your life. So I think that's, you know, it's sustainable. You're teaching sustainability, like a balanced lifestyle is sustainable. And I enjoy my life. Why would I want to not live with balance? I it's I weigh less. I'm happier. I get to have cocktails every day. I don't work out as much. Yes, keto or something like that. You're going to drop weight, but it's going to come right back on as soon as you stop. You, so you go through like the mental aspect of how did we get here? <laughs> like, too, It's yeah, not like you're definitely. putting them just on like a diet because we don't yeah. diet. It's uncovering how did we get here? And then like, how do we put habits into practice to get out of here. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because even when you're, even when you're working on balance, like I said, I, we, you know, in my program, I teach very kind of specific guidelines around food. They're flexible guidelines, but it's, you know, and when I say guidelines, I mean, you know, making sure you're eating consistently throughout the day and what is a balanced meal like, and that kind of a thing. So that piece is important, but you have to address being stuck in that diet cycle, because if you are in, and even when you're working on balance, if you're still very much stuck in that diet mindset, it can feel like you're doing balance wrong. If you can't yeah. stick to the, to the things. So you really have to be patient with yourself and continue to, to put in the work and the effort because even, you know, even something that's super sustainable, it still requires action from you. And it still requires you continuously kind of showing up for yourself. This might go like a little bit deep here. Cause you're not like eating disorder therapist, but like when you're saying like, it's about a weight loss and it's about a number and a, a body type that you feel most comfortable in, like that speaks to me so much because I am my happiest and living my life to the fullest when I'm in my, what I consider my ideal body. And I've been told mm -hmm. before with my eating disorder past, like that's where I'm not healed that I should feel happy and healthy at any size. But don't you feel like most women feel better? And I'm not saying thin is like I, when they're thin, when they're at their ideal, because my aesthetic that I want has changed. Like when I was anorexic, like I just wanted to be up and down, stick thin, no butt, straight up and down. And now I'm in the gym, like squatting and trying to get a butt and I want muscle tone and be strong. So my ideal is a strong body and I feel my mm -hmm. best in that body. And I was told that, that isn't the right thing. Like you shouldn't be striving for an ideal body type. As long as you're just healthy, you should feel good in your body. But I feel like a lot of women feel better when they're in their best mm -hmm. physical shape. How, how do you feel there? I think there's lots to say about this for sure. There is something to be said about finding happiness, no matter where you're at in your body. I think that's for sure to be said because you don't have to be a particular size to, you know, feel comfortable in your body or feel even just neutral about your body or love your body, whatever. So there's definitely something to be said about that. With that being said, 
I don't think that it's necessarily fair to say like, oh, you can't be comfortable at the weight that you're at. You know, the fact that I'm only comfortable. Yeah. Like at a certain- I think what it would. So my thoughts are like, I think it depends on how would you feel if your weight fluctuated a little bit? How do you, how would you feel if, you know, you're, if things fluctuated, because I do think that, um, when it comes to just women's bodies in general, they change and fluctuate sh- so much throughout mm-hmm. our lifespan. So you have to kind of expect that things are going to change and shift around and it's totally normal, yeah. even though it can feel really frustrating. Yeah. So I think that's what matters the most. I don't think it's, you know, I, I think that it's very normal to feel comfortable at your healthiest weight because it truly is the weight that your body feels best at. Um, so I think it just depends. I think it depends on how scary would weight gain be, I guess that, that kind of a thing. Because my, most of my audience, like are busy moms that are looking to lose a couple of pounds and get in their best shape. Um, how important is hydration and how important is protein? in your diet. So oh, those are, those are, those are good questions. Okay. Um, hydration is so incredibly important for lots of different reasons. I think the biggest thing that people take for granted when it comes to hydration has nothing to do with weight loss or anything like that. And it comes down to energy. People who are dehydrated definitely have lower levels of energy than people who are hydrated. And I know specifically myself, if I haven't drank a certain amount of water by noon, let's say I feel drained, like exhausted. And I think there's so many women, especially walking around dehydrated and feeling like I'm just so tired. Yeah. And really part of it, part of it is not being hydrated. So in wow. especially like busy moms, for example, I think that you need any, you need every single ounce of energy that you have, because if you're tired and you're burnt out to, you know, taking the extra step to make a veggie with your dinner, that's not going to happen. Mm-mm. So I think setting yourself up for those types of things is important when it comes to, you know, general health and feeling good throughout the day, hydration is important there too, because if you're dehydrated, it's also more difficult to establish between hunger and fullness for sure. Um, but my, my biggest thing with water is energy always. I never even thought of that. Like when I'm like right now, before I'm feeling a little bit tired right now, it, to me, it's like, go make another coffee. I'm not thinking drink water. Yes. Oh Mm. yeah. 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 Okay. And then protein, should you have it with every meal? Can you have too much protein as a woman? Is that something? Cause it keeps you satiated longer, right? Yes. So out of the three macronutrients, protein is the most satiating. So when it comes to protein, protein kind of it's confusing, I think, because we hear, especially, um, like in the U S people are like, we eat way too much protein, but for a lot of women, that's not true. I find more what's happening more often is that women are not eating enough protein consistently throughout the day. So if you, I think I'm a big fan for sure. If you can having a good protein source at every single meal, for sure. I think it's important because what I see happen a lot is you have like dinner is a good example. If you have a plate of pasta with no protein, no fiber going on, just carbohydrate, you better believe you're going to be hungry a little bit after that. Same thing goes if you, you know, wake up and you start your day with just some toast or something like that. It's not, it's not sustaining you and it's setting you up for kind of unstable blood sugars. And that's what protein can help with too, is make sure that your blood sugars are nice and stable throughout the day, because that's really where hunger and cravings comes from is that, you know, that drop in blood sugar. 
Amazing. Um, when you're talking about like types of protein, like if I go to like a tropical smoothie or something, there's like pea protein, whey protein, soy protein, all these proteins. And I always just, for some reason, I don't know why would just be like soy protein. And I feel like I saw recently that that's not the one I should be getting. Why, why would a woman, women not want soy protein? I thought that was something like with your estrogen or no, it's, that's, that's kind of, that's one of those sort of nutrition things that has floated around, but it's not really a, it's not a concern the way that we used to think that it was a concern. So it's, it doesn't matter. Soy protein, pea protein, whey protein, whatever protein that I, I think whatever, especially when it comes to like a supplemental protein like that, choose the one that you like that is going to work okay. for you. Because I know like some people hate pea protein or some people hate whey protein. So it really comes down to what you want. And then at meals, I think just making sure that you have at least something on there. That's a good source of just protein is helpful. Awesome. Um, what about collagen? I feel like everything is like collagen these days. Is that how important is that to your diet? I think it can't hurt. I think I kind of, I feel super neutral about collagen. I'm like, (laughs) do I, do I think that everyone needs to go out and buy it? Not that I really don't, but I think that if you're someone who wants to try it out and see how it makes you feel, I know that a lot of people say it's super helpful that it, they feel like their hair has changed or their nails have changed. So I'm not going to argue with that. So if, if, you know, I think that a lot of this stuff on collagen, we don't have quite as much research as we need to have on it, but I think it can't hurt. It's, it's certainly not going to hurt, but I, um, but I will say with collagen, I recommend not using it as your main protein source. Yes, definitely. So neutral on collagen. One of the things I really wanted to bring up to you, like intermittent fasting is all the rage and should you only eat between this time and this time so that your body can fully rest from digestion? Is that a thing? Yeah. That's an interesting question to ask. Intermittent fasting, I really am not a fan of at all. I think it's way too restrictive. I think it's just, it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense, especially for women. There's not enough research in general. And then most of the human research that we have on it is on men. It's not even on women. Um, And then the research that we do have on potentially women doesn't look that great, especially for hormones and stuff like that. So I am not a fan of intermittent fasting for women at all. But when it comes to like eating hours, when you're listening to your hunger and fullness, this becomes so much easier. And it also becomes easier when you're just listening to your body because nobody or most people feel uncomfortable going to bed if they've just had a huge bowl of ice cream or something like that, or a huge snack or ate dinner too late or something. It's not so much, it has nothing to do with anything else besides like it's uncomfortable. It's not going to feel great. And we all fast when we're sleeping. Right. Right. So we all do have a fasting window, but I think it's just different for everyone. And you have to make it work for what makes sense for you. When it comes to like the first meal of the day, I think it should be when you're hungry, honestly. And if you're someone who's skipping breakfast right now, because I know that that's a huge thing among so many women is skipping breakfast, but if you're skipping breakfast, I think you you should at least at the very least experiment with breakfast. I can't tell you how many women I've worked with who were like anti-breakfast. I'm not hungry in the morning. I cannot eat breakfast. I don't feel like anything. Everything's disgusting before noon. Um, and then start they start experimenting with it and they're like, I cannot believe the difference it made in my day. Or I or, or they stopped binging at night or they stopped mm-hmm. eating 10 snacks between lunch and dinner or whatever. So I think the biggest thing with breakfast is just making sure that you're eating when you're hungry. You don't have to, you don't have to eat the second you wake up, but 
you know, having it somewhere in there. So that was a long answer to that question. No, it's great. I think everyone's window is just different and it's really depends on how you feel. That made me think of something else. Like when you said eat breakfast, when you're hungry or eat first during the day, when you're hungry, fasted exercise, like I have to work out in the morning while my kids are at school. And are you, how do you feel about that? Like people say you should fast, you should work out on an empty stomach. Cause then you burn fat. I wouldn't be able to no. finish my workout if I didn't eat before I would have no energy. Yeah. There's absolutely no benefit to doing fasted exercise versus non-fasted exercise. It's definitely, there's, there's nothing that shows that that's better when it comes down to that. It really is personal preference for sure. So I have I have people who cannot eat in the morning. They're like, I will throw up if I go work out after eating something. And that's fine. You, that There's nothing wrong with that. As long, I think it's important to eat pretty much right after that, but there's nothing wrong with that. There's also nothing wrong with having breakfast and then going and working out. Definitely not. Awesome. Let's end it with your number one, most like bang for your buck nutrition tip. If somebody just was like, I really, you know, their weight loss or they want to feel better. Like what is the one thing that you would tell them? The number one thing I think that everyone needs to start with is just eating consistently. Honestly, it's so simple and so it sounds so silly, but it really is the biggest problem that I see is skipping breakfast or not eating enough. Um, and then going too many hours in between meals, then you're starving. And when you're starving, you cannot make an intentional food decision. So then overeating or whatever. So eating consistently. And I think for most women that looks like a meal or a snack every three to four ish hours. Love it. And then people are inspired and they want to reach out. Like, how do they get in touch with you? Sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram at the dot balanced dot nutritionist. Awesome. Jamie, thank you so much. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you so much for listening to the squats and margaritas podcast. If you haven't subscribed, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So you never miss an episode and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode of squats and margaritas. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.